It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to Missing on the Crawl Space Media Network. If you like this show, you will love Crawl Space, which is also hosted by us. We launched Crawl Space in 2017, and we have a huge catalog of incredible and thought-provoking interviews. Check out our entire network of shows at crawlspace-media.com. On February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass Amherst student Maura Murray disappeared in the White Mountains of New Hampshire in one of the most perplexing mysteries of our time. For years, we have covered Maura's case and the tireless online community that surrounds it in great detail. We have since expanded our mission with this series, raising awareness and shining a light on the stories of other missing persons. We now sit on the board of directors of the nonprofit organization Private Investigations for the Missing, which was founded by Bruce Maitland. Bruce's daughter, Brianna Maitland, went missing from Montgomery, Vermont on March 19th of 2004, just six weeks after and about 80 miles away from where Maura Murray vanished. Private Investigations for the Missing aims to assist with investigations for underserved families whose missing loved ones have been forgotten by the media or by law enforcement. Through our growing community, we hope to shed a light on these cold cases. Families and loved ones can reach out to us at investigationsforthemissing.org. This is Missing. Welcome back to Missing. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Doing great today, Tim. How are you, sir? I'm good. This is part two of our Nikki McCown coverage, and you'll hear from Nikki's sister. And big thank you to Shana for putting together this document. Please follow Private Investigations for the Missing. There are links in the show notes. And be sure to check out Private Investigations for the Missing's website, especially their blog at investigationsforthemissing.org. And check out part one if you haven't heard it yet. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. 
Nikki McCown has been missing since July 22nd, 2001, and she went missing from Richmond, Indiana. She was 28 years old when she went missing, and she would be 48 at the time of this recording. Her birthday is January 6th, 1973. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5 foot 2 inches, 115 pounds, and she is a light-skinned black female with light brown hair and brown eyes. Her full name is Marilyn Renee Nicole McCown. Her nickname is Nikki. She had a small scar above her left eye, a small scar on the right side of her face, a scar on the top of her head, and a large scar on her left lower leg. When she disappeared, she was last seen wearing a bright pink and purple floral swimsuit top, dark colored shorts, diamond earrings, and a white gold bracelet. Please check out part one of this because we go over some more details of how Nikki disappeared and the time immediately after. She disappeared after leaving a laundromat in Richmond, Indiana. Her SUV was found about six months later at her old address in Dayton, Ohio, about 45 minutes east of Richmond, Indiana. Okay, we're going to jump right in and talk about Tommy Swint, who is officially a person of interest in the case as far as law enforcement is concerned. And Tommy Swint was a longtime friend and coworker of Nikki's. Some sources claim that they had been in a romantic relationship, but Nikki's family is adamant that this was not the case. Yeah, this is a thing that Shana and I saw reported again and again through different um, news sources. I mean, sometimes, you know, articles just kind of copy each other and don't do original research or interviews or whatever. But this kind of rumor has been claimed by a lot of these uh, media sources that Nikki was indeed in a relationship with this guy, Tommy Swint, and that she was cheating on her fiance, Bobby. But it seemed like they had just dated once before she got back together with Bobby. And uh, she considered him a friend, according to her sister, Michelle. I mean, Michelle did say that like, it's possible she didn't know that there was a relationship going on past that point. But as, as far as she knows, um, this was a platonic situation. Like everybody seems to think that Nikki and Tommy had a relationship like a boyfriend and girlfriend. And what I stated is when she first worked at MEPRC, she did go out on a date for him one time. And she realized that she wanted to be nothing but friends. So that's how they end up being just friends. As far as I know, uh, they were just friends. But I do know that he wanted more than a friendship. I do know that. And she kept telling him, no, 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 we're going to just be friends. So, But I guess when I said they had went on a date, I guess people assumed that they were dating. Um, she's never told me anything like that and I'm not sure what you know what was going on that she didn't share with everybody but as far as I know they did have a relationship like and even uh Nikki's daughter Peyton said that her mother wouldn't have time to have an affair if she wasn't with Bobby she was with Peyton plus her job I mean it seems uh it it seems highly unlikely just based on everything that we've gathered here and what did you say? They only went on one date, and uh, but they maintained a pretty decent-sized friendship. Some background on Tommy Swint. Tommy was married and had children with his wife. He was in the Marine Corps for three years until he went AWOL. 
and he blamed going AWOL on his unhappy childhood. Strikes me as a little odd. He also complained about becoming just a grunt, quote-unquote, and not a military police officer like he wanted. He was discharged from the Marines under dishonorable conditions, and he tried becoming a police officer several times but was not hired. Despite being married with a family, Tommy was also in a relationship with a co-worker named Darlene and spent most of his time at her apartment. Nikki was also close friends with Darlene. Darlene lived just down the street from the complex where Nikki's car was found. Nikki had spoken to Darlene on the phone the day she disappeared regarding where to buy hair and nail vitamins that Darlene had told her about. According to Darlene, this is a quick conversation, but phone records indicate it was a much longer conversation than Darlene had claimed. Darlene's neighbors said that she was pretty sure they saw the car Nikki was driving that day in Darlene's driveway. So we've taken yet another interesting turn here. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So when I spoke to Michelle, she talked about these hair and nail vitamins, um, which seems like a strange thing to drive all the way to Dayton for. But again, I mean, Nikki was getting married in three weeks and she was a person who would really care about her appearance and wanted to look her best on her wedding day. So it's definitely a possibility that she would drive uh, 45 minutes to get these uh, beauty products. But um, Michelle also said that Darlene could have used this as a ruse to get Nikki to drive to Dayton and meet her. But despite Nikki telling people Tommy was like a brother to her, their friendship seems to have been very troubled. People said Tommy had an infatuation and obsession with Nikki, and he would lend her money and buy her things. People found this odd because he had a wife and a girlfriend. Yeah, there was a couple incidents where he would send her things or give her things. Uh, One of them was some lingerie, which is not something you necessarily give to a platonic friend. And Michelle says Tommy had a history of stalking and harassing both Nikki and other women. He was known to wait outside a co-worker's house that Nikki sometimes spent mornings at. And there's a disturbing moment that Michelle tells where she heard yelling as she walked up to Nikki's apartment. And upon entering, she found Nikki in a position where it seemed as though she was trying to kick Tommy out. And she shouted that Tommy was trying to rape her. And Tommy laughed, called it a joke, and left. And Michelle is not sure what would have happened had she not walked in that day. What did Michelle tell you about that incident? I mean, yeah, that was exactly her recounting of it. I mean, she didn't know exactly the context of the situation. Um, regardless, Nikki said he was trying to rape her. I, I believe Nikki. I do not believe Tommy. I remember one time that I was on my lunch break and I had a um, Stopped by Nikki's house because my job wasn't too far from where she was living at. And I get to the door and I hear this screaming. And I'm like, okay. And I hear this, get off of me. So I just walked in. The door was unlocked. I walked in. I said, what are you doing to my sister? Get off of her. She said he was trying to rape her. And he started laughing. And he got away. He got back, and then he started chasing his boat around the house, and he started laughing. He said, I'm just playing with y'all, and then he left. Now, I don't know if I wouldn't have showed up if he would have really raped her, and he just kind of made it seem like he was clowning around when I showed up, 
or he, you know, I don't know. I'll never know that. But at the same time, he was, um, he had sliced, right around that time is when he sliced her tires. She had borrowed some money from her, from him. And she got paid the next day. And she told him she was going to pay him back. Well, he called her the night before and said, you know how you could pay me back. And she was like, how? And he said, why don't you do this threesome with me? And she said, you know, I don't do stuff like that. And she hung up. Well, the next morning she got up and her tires were sliced. And so was Bobby's. So when I got to her house to help them out, Bobby's sitting there going off thinking Steve did it. Nikki pulls me to the side so I know who did this. And I said, who? And she said, Tommy. I said, why would he do this? She said, I owed him some money. He wanted me to pay him back doing a threesome. You know, I'll get down like that. I don't like him like that anyway. And he got mad. And he said, I will pay for it. And I woke up this morning and my tires are sliced. And I said, does Bobby know? And she said, no. I don't know why Nikki never told Bobby the truth. But there was a lot of stuff that Tommy was doing that she kept from Bobby. I do know that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And Tommy sent a female co-worker to Nikki's bridal shower with a gift of lingerie from him. Okay, well, this Tommy character seems a little bit uh, a little bit high-strung, maybe. Maybe a little tightly wound. An ex-girlfriend had stated that Tommy threatened her and her entire family. She said, quote, it was hell dealing with him. He threatened to kill me, my mother, my son, put a bullet through each of our heads. When asked if she thought Tommy was capable of murder, she replied, quote, absolutely. That's pretty telling. And Tommy backed up the claims and told her that he had killed people while in the Marines and that the urge to kill was still with him. Hmm. And there was an incident in 2006 where Tommy had threatened a female captain at the pre-release center. He reportedly said, the quote is, if I have anything to say to you, I will say it in the parking lot. You don't know who you are messing with. I'm Officer Swint, end quote. And then Tommy immediately drew attention to himself with some odd behavior when police questioned Nikki's co-workers. He was not very cooperative when police questioned him. Interesting. He wore his sunglasses while talking to the police, was said to have been laughing inappropriately, wouldn't answer questions completely, and would go off topic. And detectives reportedly considered him to be their top person of interest in Nikki's disappearance. And where does this, is this information coming from Michelle as well? That, that she had heard that he was wearing sunglasses while talking to police, laughing inappropriately, etc.? Or is this according to police? This is according to police um, and some publicly available records. And a few years later in 2007, Richmond detectives discovered that Tommy had actually become a police officer in nearby Trotwood, which is a bit disturbing. And Trotwood forced Tommy to resign when they were notified of his status as a person of interest in Nikki's disappearance. Tommy, though, filed a lawsuit stating that he had never been informed of this status as a, as a person of interest in Nikki's case. Tommy even held a press conference regarding 
the case, which I can only imagine was nauseating. But the lawsuit was dismissed when proof arose that he was in fact told he was a person of interest in the case. Yeah, I'm just struck by the ego on such a person. I know that he had finally gotten his coveted police officer job, but you, in fact, cannot become a police officer if you are a person of interest in a felony or obviously convicted of one. Um, And he, of course, knew that he was, you know, at least questioned in Nikki's disappearance. And he failed to notify this department in Trotwood of his involvement. All right, well, let's take another uh, twist here, another turn, uh, and talk about the murder of Tina Marie Ivory. Due to media coverage on Tommy Swint, a confidential informant recognized him and told Dayton police to look at Tommy as a suspect in the 1991 murder of a 33-year-old woman named Tina Marie Ivory. Ivory's partially nude body was found in December 1991 in a trash pile by a tree trimming crew. She had been wrapped in a quilt and trash bags. She had been beaten and strangled. Not much is known about Ivory. It had been stated that she dated Tommy Swint and was sometimes a sex worker. It had been suggested that Tommy was also her pimp, and this was something he was known to do sometimes. And Tommy was reportedly known for his dislike of sex workers and homosexuals and his poor treatment of women. But Tommy denies any knowledge of Ivory. But Richmond police and Dayton police pooled their resources. Tommy's DNA was found on Ivory and a fingerprint of his matched a partial print found on the adhesive tape used on the bags Ivory had been wrapped in. And by the time Tommy was indicted for Ivory's homicide in 2010, he had moved back to his home state of Alabama and was working as a security guard. Well, this is interesting. A partial print was found on the adhesive tape used on the bags that Ivory had been wrapped in that matched Tommy's fingerprints, and his DNA was found on Ivory. Now, you can talk about the DNA found on her. He can simply say, I was, you know, I had a relationship with her. It doesn't necessarily connect him to that murder. But the partial print, I wonder what the odds are of a match not being accurate from a partial print. Well, I feel like where the partial print was found is the most damning thing, right? I mean, just the fact that, yeah, a partial print was matched to him on the adhesive part of the duct tape means he put the duct tape on her. Yeah, totally. He seems like a slam dunk case for the prosecution. Why don't we reach out and talk to him? Unfortunately, this guy, Swint, was at home when police were arriving to arrest him for the murder of Ivory, and Swint shot himself in the head. And though the answers to many questions police had for Tommy died with him, police believe there is a strong likelihood that Tommy was actually a serial killer. Yeah, I mean, at this point, there's no other murders that are directly linked to him, but he seems like a guy who is definitely capable of additional murders. And Tommy Swint is still the prime suspect in Nikki McCown's disappearance. And that is according to Detective Michelle Miller of Richmond, who is the detective currently assigned to Nikki's case, and she believes it's still possible that Nikki can be found even without Tommy's help because of the suicide. So Detective Miller believes that Darlene, the woman Tommy was with in 2001, may know more than she has told police. And she's quoted as saying, I believe there is another person that Tommy was close to that has some of the answers, if not all of them. Yeah, I mean, this Tommy Swint, He's a bad, bad character. And 
what are the odds of like having a close friendship with a potential serial killer and that person not being responsible for your murder or disappearance is like pretty slim to me. Although it seems to me that that Michelle is kind of hinting around the fact that the police, once Tommy Swint got on their radar, they kind of disregarded any other information in the case and like didn't look at Bobby obviously had ruled out Steven, but this, this guy, Tommy was like in their, you know, in their center sites. They didn't really go down the Avenue that Bobby and his ex-girlfriend April may have had something to do with this too. And it seems like Michelle is kind of leaning on that side of things rather than Tommy Swint. So it's, it's really, um, you can make a case for each. Now there was also an interview though with Nikki's sister, on Unfound in 2017, where she stated that in her heart, she believes Tommy Swint knows what happened to her sister. Why do you think she's changing her mind and, and going back and forth? You know, I don't believe she's really changed her mind. I think she's like leaving space in her imagination to believe that Tommy Swint is responsible for this. And definitely once Darlene talked to again and interviewed um, to see if she has information but she's also has room to entertain the possibility that bobby had something to do with it or april his ex-girlfriend um i think she's i think at this point in the case because it's been so long and there's it isn't solved and they haven't recovered nikki um either alive or deceased she just wants to like turn over every stone in this path and it, it seems to her that law enforcement just like disregarded Bobby. So she definitely wants all avenues checked out. Well, it's truly unfortunate because from all accounts, it seems like Nikki was a, a solid human being who was motivated, ambitious, had some really significant sights set on her future and her daughter's future. And Michelle says that the family used to be incredibly tight, but now they're all living very separate lives. Um, it's unfortunate Nikki's father passed away a few years after she disappeared and never got over the grief of losing Nikki. And that's what she believes is ultimately what killed him. And that comes back to why we do what we do on this show, which is not just about the victim themselves, but about these secondary victims that will always be affected by it, even if there's answers. And Nikki's mother continued the fight to find her daughter until her last moments. She died within the past few years, and on the very day she died from a long illness, she insisted on meeting with detectives in her daughter's case just one last time. My mom passed away last year. She passed away on July 21st. Nikki's anniversary is July 22nd. I'm going to try to hold on for him. She tried to hold on for her daughter, but she couldn't because she had cancer eating her body. My dad passed away just three and a half years after Nikki came up missing. He grieved himself to death. Nikki's daughter, for the longest time, she hated the word mother. She hated Mother's Day. This has tore my family apart. I myself had strokes. I've been sick, but I won't stop fighting. Somebody out there knows what happened to my, my sister and why she's missing and why her daughter had to grow up without her. And now her granddaughter will never know her. 
And for whatever selfish reason, they're allowing my family to fade away and suffer, not knowing. That gives me every reason to continue this fight. And I have family members to tell me to shut up, leave it alone, leave it alone. I can't leave this alone. If it was me, Nikki would be fighting, fighting, fighting until she got an answer. She was that type of person. And Michelle has a website with more information on Nikki's disappearance. It is Help Find Nikki McCown, and that's spelled N I Q U I M C C O W N dot wordpress dot com. Help Find Nikki McCown dot wordpress dot com. Truly baffling and tragic. Indeed. And if you have any information on Nikki McCown's disappearance, don't hesitate to reach out to the Richmond Police Department at 765 983 When a person goes missing, their loved ones often find themselves overcome with worry and grief. Bruce Maitland started the 501c3 nonprofit organization, Private Investigations for the Missing, because he knows this feeling all too well. When Bruce's daughter Brianna disappeared in March 2004, he was surrounded by licensed private investigators dedicated to finding her. Now his mission is to provide dedicated private investigators at no cost to other families of the missing, desperate for answers but without the financial means. Private Investigations for the Missing needs your help. To read the mission statement, make a donation, and keep up with our blog, visit us at investigationsforthemissing.org and follow us at PI for the Missing on Twitter and Facebook and Investigations for the Missing on Instagram. Because forever is too long to wait. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.